Welcome back. Welcome back to another struggle day. Um, before we get into our regular um, or semi-regular, well, our regular study for today, um, I first want to give my thoughts and prayers out to Kevin Samuels' family. Um, if you guys have not heard Kevin Samuels, um, a a very influential uh, YouTuber, uh, socialite, or social, I mean, well, He's very prominent on on social media, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, he has a huge following. Um, he passed away yesterday. Um, the details are still coming out as to what happened. They're alleging that it was a heart attack. Um, so I, I just want to give my thoughts and prayers out to his family. I'm probably going to do an episode next week on on uh on what happened uh and Kevin Samuels himself um you know uh he was a very influential person uh uh he, you know even though he's very controversial about the way he talked about stuff and the topics that he talked about but I honestly feel like Kevin Samuels did some good but normally I won't really talk about stuff like people dying on on the struggle episode but because, you know, life is short. You know, Kevin Samuels, he, I believe he was about 53. They're reporting he was 56. Um, it, you know, he he had, you know, he lived a full life. But it just goes to show you that no matter how big, you know, you become in the world, death comes for all of us. Death does not discriminate. You know, now the way that we meet death is probably it will vary but death comes from for us all. One thing that I can't appreciate is some of the the comments because I I found him at the beginning of well I I was watching his content but I really didn't start tuning in consistently until you know the start of my 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 walk of faith when I started changing and reevaluating things in my life before you know before I got in tuned with him. But one of his videos that caught me was feminist in the Christian church. Um, and that, you know, since then, because when I when I caught Kevin uh, the first time, it, he was talking to men. He wasn't talking to women at all. He had only male callers and stuff like that. You know, he was trying to he was trying to he was relaying good uh, advice and mentoring to, to men of all ages. But it really things for him from what I can attest to thanks for him didn't really start to pick up until he shifted gears and started talking about women i'm not gonna make this episode about him but i know for me the one video that really caught me like viral like where i'm like okay i'm gonna start watching his content even more was when he made comments about feminism in the christian church and really started getting on women in the christian church and talking about the church because these are things that I witnessed growing up. These are things that I see, you know, with women that I knew that that claim to go to church religiously. But then it's like when they when they're in church, they're like the holiest creatures you've ever want to meet. But then once they're outside of church, they're like the most depraved creatures that you ever want to meet. So and that's not all of them, but that was a lot of the ones that I knew. Now, some of the girls that actually walk the walk and talk, talk. You know, they they were very, you know, devout, classy women all the time. But majority of the women my age, they were going in the club on Saturday, hooking up with a dude 
And then they were begging for forgiveness on Sunday. So, you know, but anyway, you know, again, thoughts and prayers are, are out to Kevin Samuels family. I believe he has a daughter, all of his friends. Um, everybody's talking about it right now. I'll probably talk about it next week. Um, but in any other news, uh, uh, I'm probably, we're, we're probably going to be spotty for the next, uh, you probably won't get any episodes. I believe after next week, you probably won't get any episodes from me. And probably until June, um, probably middle of June or maybe until July, because you know, (laughs) we got a lot of stuff going on. We got a lot of events going on. So I probably won't have the time or the wherewithal to really tune in and to to give you guys but I will try to do the Bible episode nothing is set in stone yet um I got to uh you know I I I'll just got to figure out how I'm going to do things if I'm going to do things on the go like on my phone um am I going to do things you know just on the fly you know I, I I'm not sure yet but uh just know like there will be some inconsistencies even though there have already been inconsistencies lately cuz I've just been busy so but anyway Let's go ahead and get into chapter 27. We are using the Messianic Jewish Family Bible, the TLV version, as our Bible for study. Again, I tell you guys, you know, or if this is your first time, please use whatever Bible is at your disposal. Um, hold up. As I get my assortment of books that I read, as you guys can tell, you know. All right. Let me get situate myself. So, yeah. So, right here, I got the Dewey Rames version. Uh, I believe this is more of a Catholic Bible. Um, to me, it's pretty... It's it's kind of... It, it has somewhat modern English uh, to a degree. But it's fairly easy to read. You know, you, you know, you got this one. I, I, I use this one to cross-reference. This is not my... You know, this is not my study Bible at all. My study Bible is actually... In another place. This is my favorite Bible, the Hallelujah Scriptures. I love this Bible. Um, the language is a lot different. They, you know, they they spell the names differently. Um, like David, they they spell D A W I D uh, David or David, I guess you know. And then if you guys can see here, for those of you, if you guys probably you probably can't see that, but. They don't actually spell God's name in in um, in English letters. They spell him in ancient Aramaic. Um, they spell Israel Y I S R A apostrophe the E with the little horns at the top and an L Yisrael. Uh, um, you know, so I, I love this Bible. It's very it's very easy to read. Um, it's very heavy on the Hebrew. Um, you know, they, they take out certain words, you know, like priests, they don't call them priests. They call them, uh, Kohanim, you know, um, some of the names appear different, like Paul, they call Shaul, stuff like that. Jesus, you know, you won't find Jesus in here. You'll find Yeshua or, you know, and even his name is written in the ancient Aramaic. So yeah, just get you guys so a self, uh, a Bible that you like to read. Um, I, I, to me personally, I think that's the, I think that's the best route. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into the semantics of, or the arguments of, oh, well, the King James version is the best. I do have a King James version. Um, even though it's my Masonic Bible, but it's, it's the King James version. There's nothing extra in there. There's no, it's, it's a King James Bible. That's really it. That's all it is. You know, it's nothing different. Um, I got an NIV 
you know, my wife has a woman, uh, has an NIV. Um, I have an NIV study Bible where they kind of talk about things. I don't really care for that Bible. I had that Bible in the military. Now that I'm more so into it, now that I'm consistently reading the Bible, I don't really care for that one too much, but you know, it, it's, it's definitely beat up. It's definitely, um, it's definitely got some battle scars on it. Um, that's the one I kind of, you know, I keep that one in my bag or if I'm traveling and I don't feel like, you know, taking my good Bibles with me, I have a pocket size new, new Testament that I carried with me, uh, that my mom gave me in, uh, when I went to the basic, um, so I, <laughs> I used to carry that Bible with me when I used to jump out of planes, it just fits right in my pocket. So, um, that was like, even though it was kind of, now that I look at it, it was kind of. The way that I was doing it was kind of, you know, paganistic, but because I was using it more of as a good luck charm than, you know, I but like I would read it every once in a while if I was bored sitting on uh, drop zones and stuff like that. But I wasn't really into the Bible then. You know, I was I was the further I was so far from the Bible than I am now. You know, but like I said, get yourselves a Bible, you know, that you enjoy reading. Um, if, you know, and, and I won't even say, I'm not going to tell you to read it for religious purposes because I certainly did not start this journey reading the Bible for religious purposes. I started this journey, uh, reading it for philosophical purposes, educational purposes. And then as I open, as I became open, more open-minded, I opened myself up, you know, then I started seeing the real power and the gravity of God and the Bible, of God through the Bible. So, like I said, just, you know, just uh, just get one to read. You know, that's all I can really say. I'm not going to tell you guys to go to church, pay your tithes. You know, I got issues with the church. I'm not going to sit here and tell you any of those things. I'm not going to tell you to do anything that I'm not doing myself. You know, um, only thing that I'm going to say is what the Bible says how I interpret it, and I, I will admit I may be wrong, and a lot of times later on as I learn, I will self-correct. So I'm not a, I'm not a priest. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a pastor. I'm not, you know, I haven't gone to any of those biblical colleges. But trust me, baby, as you read the Bible, and especially once you start reading it, you know, reading it consistently, trust me, I've had some serious debates with, people who claim to be devout Christians I've had, and I've been able to hold my own against them because one thing that I've noticed about Christians is that they do a lot. They're they're like the, they're modern day Pharisees. I'm just going to say that Christians are modern by and large are modern day Pharisees. They go off of traditions and practices other than that are not in the Bible or that are not prescribed by the Bible. The Bible may talk to talk about them, like Easter, but they'll talk about it in a negative light. And, you know, so that's just, I've been able to hold my own because I, whenever I have these debates, I will actually use either my actual Bibles that I read, I'll reference scripture, or what I'll do is I have apps. You know, I got, I got several Bible apps. Um, I, since I'm using my phone, I got the, 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 the Strong's, um, Strong's Dictionary app. I got the Safar app on my phone. 
I got, was it Blue something, Blue Bible app on my phone. So I reference, I reference scripture. Whenever I'm having these debates, I reference scripture. So I apologize if I'm rambling a little long. This episode is going to be very short. Uh, these chapters are, it's literally only like a handful of slides. So let's get into this. Oh, before I forget, of course, the book that I use to help me study and help me understand is Dennis Prager's Exodus, God, Slavery, and Freedom. That is the book that I use to kind of help me help me understand what I'm reading. And of course, Dennis Prager is Jewish. Um, and I will say, in order for you, the one thing I will t- say I know I'm sounding like I'm bashing Christians a lot. A lot of Christians don't know anything about the Old Testament. They, they, I've literally heard Christians, you know, say, oh, the Old Testament is, is done away with. A lot of them don't even know or understand that the Old Testament is the Torah. Like, the only, like, trust me, I got friends that are Jewish. I got friends that are Christians. And I'm just like, if y'all just wonder twins activate, like, a lot of the, like, we would come to a better understanding. Jews will understand Christians better. Christians will understand Jews better. And Christians will understand the Bible better, especially the New Testament. Because really all the New Testament is, is just rinse, wash, repeat Old Testament. Because everything that Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah talked about is Old Testament. There was nothing new, nothing new that he said. That was not in the Old Testament. He didn't add anything to the Old Testament. Now, what he did was he would conflate, like when they asked him about uh, which uh, which commandment is the is is should be held above all else, and he just conflated all of them because they all kind of run in together, you know. So, and plus, he kind of has the authority to do that, but he didn't change anything, you know. That some things that he, you know, some things. Things that may seem new in the Bible in the New Testament are really things that were already done in the Old Testament. When people talk about baptism, well, uh, baptism isn't talked about in in the Old Testament. Yes, it is. It's talked about. Exodus is all about baptism. Genesis is about baptism. You know, Noah's Ark, that was a baptism. Uh, when the when the Hebrews left it, uh, left um, when the Israelites left Egypt, when they crossed the the Sea of Reeds, that was a baptism. You know, when they talked about um, uh, sanctifying the Kohanim before they even get into the the um, the tabernacle, they have to be baptized. They have to be washed over by water and blessed with oil. Like that is a baptism. So nothing in the nothing that they talk about in the in the New Testament is new. It's just. It's just, it all comes from the Old Testament. That's all, that's all I really got to say. So uh, it's, it's just, it baffles my mind that a lot of Christians don't understand reading the Old Testament to understand the New Testament because Christians will make up things left and right and then they won't. And the, the only thing they'll talk about is either Moses or King or and King David. But it, it's... <laughs> I I, I I can go into this. I, I can go into this for a long time. So today's chapter, even though I've been rambling for about 15 minutes, today's chapter, chapter 27, altar, courtyard, and oil. Let me go ahead and drop my screen so I'm not breaking my neck. So make an altar of acacia wood. 
And I believe, I believe, I could be wrong. Either, um, I believe the crown of the Messiah was made out of the thorns of the of an acacia wood. So, uh, make an altar of acacia wood, five cubits long, five cubits wide. The altar will be square, and its height uh, is to be three cubits. To make horns on the four corners of one piece. Overlay it with bronze. You are to make pots for it and take away ashes along with a shovel, basin, fork, and fire pans. Make all the utensils of bronze. Also, make a utensil, make a bronze grating net for it. On the net, you are to make for you are to make four bronze rings and four corners. You are to place it under the ledge under the altar beneath, so that the net may reach halfway up to uh, up the altar. Make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze. You are uh, its poles are to be put into into the rings and two sides of the altar for carrying it. You are to make it with planks so that it is hollow, as it has to be shown to you uh, in the in the mountain. They are to make it just so. You are to also make a courtyard for the tabernacle. For the south side, there are to be hangings for the courtyard and finely twisted linen, a hundred cubits long. And let me go ahead and sorry for those of you that, for those of you with the that are watching this, crap. So there are to be twenty poles with twenty bronze bases. And the hooks on the on the pillars, along with their bands, are to be made of silver. Likewise, for the north side, the length there is to be a hundred cubits long, hangings, twenty pillars, and twenty bronze bases. The hooks of the pillars are uh, are and their clasps, sorry, are to be made of silver. Now, for the width of the courtyard uh, on the west side, there are to be fifty cubits. Of hangings, ten pillars, and ten bases. The width of the courtyard on the east side is fifty is to be fifty cubits. The hangings on one side of the gate are to be fifteen cubits, with three pillars and three bases. For the other side, there is also to be fifteen cubits of hangings, and three pillars and three bases. And the gate of the courtyard, there is to be twenty. Cubic curtains of blue, purple, scarlet, and finely twisted linen. The work of a color weaver, along with four pillars and their four bases. The pillars of the courtyard are to be banded with silver, their hooks of silver, and their bases of bronze all around. The length of the courtyard is to be 100 cubits and the width 50 throughout. The height of the height is to be five cubits with hangings of finely twisted linen with their bronze bases. All the altar of the tabernacle, I mean, all the articles of the tabernacle for the service for the services there, along with all the pegs, including all the pegs of the courtyard, are to be bronze. Then we get into this next subsection, Parashat Tesav. Tezava, uh, which I could be pronouncing that wrong, which means you shall command. 
Also, you are to command Bain Israel that they are to bring bring to you pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause a lamp to burn continuous uh, continually in the tent of meeting outside the cur- uh, outside the curtain which is before the testimony Aaron and his sons will be uh, will set will set it in order to burn from from evening to morning before Adonai it will be a statute forever throughout their gener- for, throughout their generations on behalf of Bain Israel. And then that's it. We don't really we didn't really have any footnotes there. Um so let's go ahead. I'm gonna break down like I said, this was a very, very short chapter, which is why I kind of rambled on earlier. So I believe yeah it's like three it's like six pages. Yeah front and back. So let's go ahead and get into Dennis's book. Uh, he talks about right here the first uh, sent, uh, the first verse twenty seven point one. You shall make an altar of acacia wood five cubits long, five cubits wide, and the altar is to be square with three cubits high. He writes uh, the text moves to the description of the tabernacle's courtyard where sacrifices were offered were offered, and then he has an essay here. Was animal sacrifice in the ta- in the Torah immoral? The sacrificial system strikes many modern, perhaps most of us, as primitive and even cruel. But there are several reasons to reevaluate this initial reaction. First, anyone who eats meat, in other words, the great majority of of humanity, has no legitimate reason to oppose animal sacrifice for moral grounds. I mean, on moral grounds. Since the large majority of the Bible. Sorry, let me because I feel like I'm breaking my neck here because I keep looking down. Let me get my my new little frame. Uh, I like gadgets. There we go. That's so much better. That's so much better. All right. So since large majority of the biblical sacrifices were eaten by human beings, they were essentially public religious slaughterings. People today eat beef and chicken without thinking twice about the life of the animal taken. Yeah, that's true. In the world of the Torah, however, the killing and eating of an animal was taken extremely serious and imbued with sanctity. Moreover, the animals sacrificed were not subject to the cruelty of modern slaughterhouses and factory farming. The fate of the large majority of animals eaten in our time. In light of that... Only vegetarians could morally object to the sacrificial system, and any such objection would have to be made against every secular or religious society that allows eating meat. Second, animal sacrifice was, of course, an immeasurable moral advance over human sacrifice, which was universal in the ancient world. Another example of how the Torah changed the world According to Maimonides, the animal sacrifice prescribed in the Torah were uh, were a concession of God's part since since animal and alas human sacrifice was universal. Of course, the Torah repeatedly prohibits human sacrifice, which God declares as a moral abomination. See Leviticus 20 verse 2 through 3. But but does uh, but does uh, but does allow animal sacrifice. One might add, considering a number of immoral 
as opposed to moral, morally justified war nation, wars nations, uh, religion, and tyrannical regimes have waged. Child sacrifice nearly uh, never really died. Only the age of the sacrifice children may have changed. What uh, and what else would one call sending young men, women on suicide terror missions? Third, unlike meat eating, generally sacrifices were performed for noble goals to atone for sin and to come closer to a moral God. The Hebrew word for sacrifice is korban or korban uh, comes from the Hebrew word for close korav. The sacrificial system is predicated on the notion we must give up sacrifice, something precious as a way to get of getting closer to God. The giving up of an animal and not just any animal, but a very fine one, the best ones heard, the best specimen one could buy, which had a significant practical and financial value constituted such a sacrifice. I highlighted this part. Fundamental ideas behind the sacrificial system, giving to God something precious to us, thus remains relevant. The reason is nothing worthwhile comes without sacrifice. Parents sacrifice a great deal on behalf of their children. Spouses sacrifice on behalf of their marriage. Friends make sacrifice to maintain their friendships, and we sacrifice to the better of our professions. If we didn't make sacrifices, we would lose our children, our spouses, our friends, and our jobs. But when it comes to God and religion, most people don't think in terms of sacrifice. They think closeness to God, and a religious life should come automatically, no sacrifice needed. The sacrificial system taught ancient Israelites the truth that sacrifice was necessary for a meaningful religious life. Of course, religion... Religious sacrifice today does not involve giving up livestock. It involves giving up money at times. In terms of money, this is generally understood to mean financial contributions to religious institutions on other uh, and other charities. In terms of time, it means engaging in Bible study, other religious study, prayer, ritual observance, celebration of holy days, working to build a religious community, and doing volunteer work. It is not trite to point out that one of the great lessons of the sacrificial system is the importance of sacrifice to a good life and to a religious life. Uh, then I'm going to come back to that because he only has three more things that he wrote about. So in here, he talks about this in verse six. Ooh, let me... All right, verse six, which is make poles and altars, poles of acacia wood. So he writes here, Richard Elliott Freeman notes, the the quantity of detail in this chapter is an indication that these are authentic descriptions of the tabernacle and its uh, accoutrements. Yeah, I think I said that word right. (laughs) What motive would there be to make all this up? The dominant view in critical Bible scholarship for over 100 years has been the tabernacle is fiction. The character of the text, however, argues against that view as much as the content does. And then his last one, yeah, his last one here is verse 21. Sorry. 
Yeah, verse 21. Uh, Aaron and his son shall set them up in the tent of meeting outside the curtains, which uh, over the ark of, yeah. So um, 20th century uh, commentator Rashbaum noted, this is only com- this is the only commandment pertaining to the tabernacle that applies for all time. At the beginning of the passage about the tabernacle, it says, tell the Israelite people to bring me gifts. Exodus 25 verse 2. This was to provide whatever was needed for the one-time construction of the tabernacle. But here, since Israelites are being commanded for all time to bring oil for lighting, uh, for lighting year after year, the language is changed to you shall further command the Israelites. Every time the word command is used, it implies a current generation and to further generations. Further substantiating Rashbaum's point of are the words throughout the age throughout the ages. To this day, synagogues throughout the world have a constantly burning light known as the eternal lamp or eternal light, the near to mid. Uh, that takes it that takes the place of the regularly kindled lamp in the ta- in the tabernacle. This is the only command practice associated with ancient tabernacles that is still with us. And that is it. So we're going to go into 28 um, at another date. Let me go ahead and resituate myself. And resituate myself. Give me some coffee. So yeah, so as we see here, that's why I, the one part that I really took out. Because had I just read this without Dennis Prager's book, I wouldn't have thought about sacrifice at all. And the one thing, and I and I honestly feel like it's pertinent for this week because here we're talking about getting everything in order for sacrifice. And the issues that I'm seeing is that, especially with uh, the book talked about human and child sacrifice, human and child sacrifice is going on today. I don't know if you guys caught my Wednesday episode when I talked about the um, the the Supreme Court leak, but human sacrifice is still going on today. The only issue is we don't look at it as human sacrifice. We look at we look at it as a means to attaining goals, you know, and it breaks my heart that, you know, and I'm pretty sure if it breaks my heart, it has to break God's heart. I mean, we already saw what God did in the Bible to Egypt for slaughtering the firstborns. Um, when Egypt was killing the firstborns of Israel. And today we have people celebrating champion, even arguing for the slaughtering of the unborn. And one of my concerns that I have is that with the overturn of Roe v. of of the leak of the Supreme Court, you know, and this talk of let me go ahead and minimize the screen with the overturn with the leak of of um, of the draft to overturn Roe v. Wade and the because of the Mississippi um, ordeal, the issue that I have is now the pro. The pro-choice, which I I can't stand the fact that they call themselves pro-choice because pro-choice starts 
your choice begins before you get into the bed with someone. Your cho- that's where your choice begins and that's where your choice ends. And to sit here and say that, oh, we don't sacrifice humans and all this other stuff. And we can look at movies like Apocalypto and all these other things. And modern people can sit here and say that's barbaric. But then they don't bat an eye when we have women going into uh, Planned Parenthood, even of their either of their own accord or the accord of a man that they slept with who does not want to take responsibility for his own actions. Like I said, I'm not going to put all this on women. However, I'm going to put majority of the burden of this on women, but they're not getting all of the burden. But the fact that we have women going into these Planned Parenthood abortion clinics and the fact that our government is funding Planned Parenthood, this is all human sacrifice. We've already we've already discovered that Planned Parenthood, I mean, abortions on on mass are 90 at at minimum 97 to 98% out of convenience excuse me and what the media and focus groups will like to do and some ill ill educated women and people will sit here and say is that well you are you expecting a woman to to um you're you're trying to force a woman to have her rapist baby or an incest baby. Now, as we look at it, as we looked at the data, which I'll probably do another time, I've already done an episode on it, less than 1%, rape and incest make up less than 1% of abortion cases. Majority of the reason that women get abortions is either because of economic choices or mainly out of economic choices, but either as in a nutshell, it's out of convenience. Either because they think that a child will hinder their their educational or professional goals, or they believe that um, they they can't be a fit mother to that child, or they don't have the funds to take care of their child, or they already have children and they don't want any more. Abortion is used as a form of contraceptive today, and the fact that these people, men and women, are going to the altar and destroying their children to get something but you know but these same people if you when we talk about these things they'll try to dehumanize as we see here they'll try to dehumanize the fetus or the baby by calling it a fetus and then they won't even acknowledge a fetus of what because i've gotten into arguments all week about this when people will sit here and say well it's a fetus okay a a, a dog has a fetus Birds have a fetus. Fish and sharks, they have a fetus. So a fetus of what? A fetus of a human being. So if it's a fetus of a human being, then it's a human being. Well, and I've heard some, I even heard a medical practitioner will say, well, the child's not viable. Okay, well, if you left that, if that child was allowed to be born and you did nothing with it, and you didn't even hold that child, that child will die. So even children, even babies aren't really viable on their own. So let's cut out this whole viability argument. Let's call it for what it is. It's human sacrifice. It's the human sacrifice of the self. It's human sacrifice of the ego. When people will rather kill their kill a child, kill a human being out of out of just pure selfish reasons. But yet they don't have that they don't take that same energy before they even get into the bedroom. People don't think about those things. Now, I'm not sitting here saying 
you know, that people should abstain from sex. I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to, to, to tell you that even though there are studies, you know, but that's not what I'm saying right now. Cause people are going to do what they're going to do. And even married people, cause there are married people out here having abortions. So that's why I'm not going to sit here and talk about abstaining from sex and all this other stuff, because technically in the Bible, if you're married, you need to be getting it in you that you need to be cracking it. The Bible talks about you got to crack it. You cannot deny your husband. You cannot deny your wife. You know, you cannot unless it's for a short time to get closer to God. That's the only time you're supposed to deny your, your spouse. You know, or if it's like to to if you got something that you need to work on, like I've known people that have gone through sexual trauma and sometimes certain they go through these certain seasons and sometimes just the act of having sex with their partner can bring those feelings up. So, yeah, of course, like if you have a person that is engaged, male or female, that has gone through sexual trauma and somehow they're now being triggered by their trauma, it is. It is very selfish of you to 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 force your significant other to lay down with you when they're just not in the mental headspace. Now, if they're just sitting here saying and my wife likes to tell me, I don't give a damn if you tired. You're going to get hit. You're going to come over here and give me this coitus. But <laughs> but this human sacrifice. So back on human sacrifices, Planned Parenthood and these abortion clinics have become the tabernacles of of the world. They are the, the they are the tabernacles of the world where people will come and bring their offering of <laughs> sorry. Thank you, Mrs. Baker. <laughs> I got my friend Mrs. Baker. She's been on the show. She's over here like giving me hearts and saying I agree. And she's over here laughing because I am I am half retarded. So <laughs> but Planned Parenthood is the tabernacle of of the world. It it is the tabernacle to the adversary. People willingly go in. They they will offer up their unborn on on this altar to gain some sort of some sort of benefit. You know, in the Bible we're talking about sacrifices, you know, bringing bringing um bringing uh the uh Lambs, bringing uh, ewes, bringing bulls, bringing doves, bringing the first fruits, bringing bread, bringing shortcakes, bringing all these things, these things of fine products to one as a way for us to connect with God. Because, and, and, and this is also about the Passover, because if you really look at everything, if you look at all the biblical holy days, all the biblical holy days in the Bible talk. It, it sounds to me like a family reunion. It talks to me like when you have family come over and y'all cook and y'all laugh and you give love and you're just in the presence of each other. That's what these sound like to me. When when people are offering the um their their lambs, their bulls for the sin offering, guilt offering, blood offerings. To me, what that sounds like is when. If you're in a healthy, if you're in a healthy family with healthy structures and hierarchies and stuff like that, that's like when your your when your grandfather comes over, and your grandfather he's worked his whole life to get your parents to where they are, to get you to where they are. I mean, to where you are, you don't have him lift a finger. 
If anything, you sit him, you sit his old decrepit butt down somewhere. You give him the best seat of the house out of respect. You pour his drink first. You make sure everything that he needs is at arm's distance. And you always serve him first because he is the patriarch of the family. And if we do that, why can't we do that for God? That's what these sacrifices are. You know, for us. You know, when even though my my grandparents aren't together, when my grandfather comes over, my grandmother still serves my grandfather first. When he comes in, she gives him his plate and she gives him the best plate or she makes his plate and sets it aside because she don't want to be bothered with him later. So that's certain things we need to look into these practices and really see the inner meanings of them now of course there could be biblical meanings there could be meanings that could be taken out of context and i even think sometimes if the meaning is taken out of context for a good reason like i could be wrong i could be sitting here saying that you know that these that these sin and guilt offerings are to god because hey god likes to eat god likes to barbecue and if you're going to give your grandfather that i could be wrong but to me i don't think that that's a bad thing because we're still giving God what he what he demands. We're giving him the fat. We're giving him the best. We're giving him everything because God didn't have to make any of this. And the fact that we're out here sinning, the fact that we're out here not living by his commandments, the fact that we're not living the way that he intended, the least we can do is give him the best. The least we can do is give him the first fruits, the first plate, the best piece of chicken, the best pe- the best cut of steak. We can give him the best. You can at least do that. And that is the most rational way that I can put it. But it, it just seems odd to me that people, you know, as we're sitting here talking about, you know, I, I've been seeing a, a resurgence of Christianity in in America. However, this resurgence I'm very weary of because even though I'm a part of this resurgence, I'm very weary of it because I see a lot of the world coming in. I see a lot of the antichrist coming in. I see a lot of the adversary coming in. We're now where we're having churches telling women, okaying women that killing your children is okay. Having abortions is okay. Having, you know, not even getting married is okay. You know, to me, that is just mind blowing because the Bible does not say that at all. We have a lot of these pastors taking things out of context. We have a lot of pastors cherry picking verses and and gluing different verses, different books together to make something sound like something that it was never intended to be. You know, you got T.D. Jakes over here talking about love is love and mankind is evolving and all this other stuff. And, you know, marriage is marriage, whether it's between a man and a man, a woman and a woman. And it's the same thing as between a man and a woman. It's not, you know, I, 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 you know, at least in thinking about these sacrifices and reading about these sacrifices, when you, when you're when you're coming up with this guilt offering, that sin offering, that blood offering, you're bringing your best. And if you don't have your best, God does give you alternatives to what you do have. But ultimately, you got to go out and get your best. And that best comes at a cost. That's like that's like if you go out and you buy this awesome car. Let's just say you you go and you buy a Rolls Royce. You don't drive that Rolls Royce every day. You'll probably drive your Honda Accord every day. 
But if God was to say, hey, because you cheated on your wife, you know, because you cheated on your wife or you cheated on your husband, guess what? As a sin offering, you got to give me that Rolls Royce. I bet you, I bet you people would not be doing those sins. Oh, that house and divorce. Couples who get a house, you cheat, you embezzle money, you defraud your, your spouse, you lose your house. We're not looking at it as as a sin offering because you built this house with your spouse. This is the finest house that you that you have. This is the finest piece of property that you have. And then now because of your sin, you got to give up that house. You got to give up. um, You got to give up, you know, your 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 401k. You got to give up your investments. You got to give up your kids. You got to give up your family. Sin has a price. Blood offerings have a price. Guilt offerings have a price. And of course, we're going to get into more of that when we when we start going into Leviticus um, and Deuteronomy, uh, hopefully soon, because I believe we're ra- we're wrapping up with Exodus. Um, but I, I do want to say thank you to this Prager, because I I'm telling you, had I just read verse 27, I'm be like, OK, you got tents, poles, curtains. I would not have thought about sacrifices. So thank I'm thanking Dennis for for his essay in that book. Um, so yeah, uh, it's whoo baby. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot, but I appreciate you guys. Uh, everyone who, who tuned in, we're going to go ahead and wrap up, um, again, thoughts and prayers go out to Kevin Samuels family thoughts and prayers go out to, to everybody who is dealing with the loss right now. Uh, people who are going on hard times, you know, I, I, you know, thoughts and prayers going out to, to everyone who are dealing with things that they feel like are too big for them, you know, cause trust me, I've been there. I've, I've recently gone through my own ruts, you know, that's probably, that's part of the reason why I was a little inconsistent. You know, I was, I was, I go through my things too. I am not perfect. I have my own problems. I have my own concerns. I have my own struggles. I am. I have my own things that I that I deal with. So I'm not perfect, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I am. You know, but the one thing that does help me is reading the Bible. Um, is reading you know extra sources like Dennis Prager's book because when I th- sometimes when I when I think about you know when I act on impulse when I. When I do, when I, when I act outside myself and when I act outside of God's, um, God's commandments and God's grace, I do notice things don't go very well for me. (laughs) And sometimes things don't go well because there's something else, um, that I'm not prepared for that. I have to, I have to atone for first. Um, just to give you guys some insight. One of the things that I've been going through is financially is financial things, um, you know, one of my, my friend and my sponsor, uh, the credit savage, uh, he has been helping me go through, uh, trying to ease my financial, uh, struggles. But, um, I'm just going to say this, the, the incident, you know, there was an incident a couple years ago where I was not being tentative to, well, she wasn't my spouse at the time. I wasn't being attentive to the missus. I wasn't being attentive to my life. To myself, I was just kind of on autopilot. I was kind of, I was cutting corners. I was doing a whole bunch of things that I wasn't supposed to do. And I paid the financial price for it. 
Thankfully, that's that's all I paid. But that that financial um, that financial hit costed me my position, my title, my reputation, money to the point where years later I'm still paying for it. Thankfully, I'm coming to the end of it. But it it, it does come with a price to the point where. It's like I got to cut out a lot of the things that I want to do, a lot of the things that I I like to do, and I, you know, I just got to I just got to grip my teeth and just do it. So let you know, some things that we may think is not are not big things can end up being big things. You know, um I I got I got friends that go through things. I got friends that struggle in their relationships. I got friends that struggle financially. I got family and friends that struggle with other family and friends. You know, we're all human. We're all flawed. If you think that you're per- that you're perfect, or you're close to perfect, or that your boo boo don't stink, trust me, you are probably the most flawed. And I and I assure you that your atonement will come, and it will come at a heavy price to the point where you will be crying like Cain, saying that it may not be too much. For, it may be too much for you to bear. So, and trust me, that was me. That was me. I was like Cain. I was crying and 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 begging, and it was like, "Yo, this is too much financially." I was on the verge of losing my house. I was on the verge of losing my job. I was on the verge of losing, you know, almost everything I had worked so hard for. But thankfully, you know, through with God's help and with uh, His grace, I've been able to to work things out with the help of others. I have not been going through this by myself, so that's you know, I just want to be transparent. Because we may think that the sin and guilt and blood offerings are done away with. Trust me, we had there. They it may not be in the in the in the way of doves, goats, and bulls, and and crops and cakes and stuff. It may just be your job. It may just be your house. It may just be something that you that you hold dear. It may be your relationship that may be that thing. That pays the price and Yeshua gave the biggest price that he that he could. He gave his flesh. And he gave his body for the sins of all of us. But that doesn't mean that you may not have to pay for your own sacrifices. So, yep, that is it. Um, I appreciate everyone that came out. Uh, thank you, uh, especially to Mrs. Baker and my brother, David. And all those who are probably watching on YouTube and Facebook right now, I appreciate it. Um, and until next time, um, you know, I'll see you guys. Peace and love. We'll be, we'll probably be back Monday for a movie episode. Um, yeah, but like I said, uh, the show will be inconsistent for the next month or so. Cause trust me, I need a vacation. I love y'all, but I gotta go. So until then, I will see you guys next time. Peace out.